Father, thank you for the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Thank you that you have planned and orchestrated this great redemption plan. Thank you, Father, for from all eternity designing and planning to give us this grace. Jesus, thank you for stepping into time and history to live in our place, to die the death we deserve, and to rise victoriously from the grave. And Spirit of God, thank you. Thank you for applying the work of redemption to my heart, to our hearts. Thank you for sealing and preserving our faith up until this moment, and thank you for the guarantee that you will continue to preserve it to that day when every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Thank you, Triune God, for the greatness of this gospel that transforms us from dead sinners enslaved to our sin and transfers us into the kingdom of the beloved Son. Thank you for life, eternal and everlasting. Thank you for all of the blessings that you have given us because of Christ. And I pray now that you would help us to hide ourselves in him, to set our mind and eyes on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God the Father. Help us to see him, to behold him, to know him, to enjoy him, to exalt him. Help us to see, open our eyes to see the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Transform our affections. Help us to fall out of love with the things, with the stuff. Help us to love you value and treasure you more than anything else in this life. Oh God, do great things through your word. Help me to make clear these truths. I'm dependent on you. I give myself to you now. Thank you for these people. Thank you for these churches that are represented here. I pray that you would do great things in and through them. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. It's a privilege, a privilege to be here tonight. I hope uh, Dan, Travis, and Justin take up a collection to fly me in next year when you do this, for I do not want to miss any of these. If you have a copy of Scripture tonight, turn to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians 1. If you don't have a Bible with you, you can grab one of those blue Bibles underneath the chair in front of you, and it's page 976. 976. Ephesians chapter 1. If you're physically able, would you stand with me out of respect for the authority of God's Word? And I'm going to read through verse 14 of Ephesians chapter 1. This is 
the inerrant, inspired, and authoritative word of God. Listen carefully as God speaks to us through his word. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. In love, He predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of His will to the praise of His glorious grace with which He has blessed us in the Beloved. In Him, we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace, which He lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of His will according to to His purpose, which He set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in Him, things in heaven and things on earth. In Him, we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of His glory. In Him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of His glory. Thank you. Please be seated. I want to begin tonight by getting a picture in your mind. So imagine something with me. Imagine that we are here tonight to get a peek at some priceless treasures. We have been invited into this room tonight personally to see a royal collection of very expensive and historically significant artifacts. As we eagerly enter the room, excited about what we might get to see, we notice that there is only one thing in the middle of this room. There is a display case right in the middle of the room. There's nothing but this display case. The case itself is beautifully carved. It is decorated It is well lit, but the reality is we are not here to admire the display case. The display case is in this room for one purpose, and that is to display the priceless treasures that it contains. And as we approach this massive and beautiful display case, we begin to catch a glimpse of something of what is inside this display case. There are, there are crowns. 
worn by the kings of old, decorated with large and shining jewels. There are golden swords with diamonds embedded in the handles and all down the sheaths. Everything in this display case is rich in history and breathtakingly beautiful. And it seems like the treasures in this case never end. You think to yourself as you catch just a small glimpse of what is inside this case that it would take a lifetime to explore in detail everything that is here. And then as you are musing the vastness and the beauty of what you are getting a chance to see, you notice that there is there's a man and he's on the other side of the room and he is wearing white gloves. And he is carefully and intentionally picking up treasures out of this display case and he is holding them up to the light so that we can see them more clearly. He is explaining the history of each of the items and he is holding them in such a way that the light is reflecting off of the jewels and creating a mesmerizingly beautiful display of colors. And you stand for what seems like hours admiring these priceless treasures. That is a weak picture of what I want to take place right now. You see, Ephesians 1 is like a large and beautiful and excellent display case. Ephesians exists in order to display priceless treasures. It is full of diamonds and gold and precious jewels for us to see and experience and admire. And I want to be like that guy with the white gloves tonight. I want to serve you by carefully and intentionally reaching into the case and holding up a few of these priceless treasures for us to behold tonight. There is enough glory in this one passage to captivate our attention and affection for all eternity. And so come with me and let's feast ourselves on the soul-satisfying life-altering banquet table of glorious truth laid out for us in this passage. Now, the first thing I want you to notice about verses 3 through 14 is that this is a praise to God for the blessings that He has given to us, the saints. Notice that this is God-word, not man-word. That Paul is addressing God here. Notice verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Paul begins the book of Ephesians by blessing or worshiping or praising God for what He has done to rescue us. And so this passage is designed to be an expression of praise to God. This is a doxology. This, this is a hymn. This is a song of praise to God. This passage is not designed to be a point of debate or argument. This passage does not exist ultimately to further any one theological position. 
This passage exists to draw us into praising and thanking God for the glorious inheritance we have been given. And it's important to note that verses 3 through 14 are one long sentence in the original language. Our English translations break it up in order that it be easier for us to, to read, but this is, this is one long sentence. Paul goes on for 202 words without a single break. It is as if he doesn't even take a breath as he blesses and praises God. He just piles up phrase after phrase after phrase after phrase of honor and worship and adoration and glory and blessing to God. And so, Christian, this passage exists to draw you into contemplation of what you have been given in Christ so that you will then passionately praise God. The application tonight is worship. But here's the application right here from the beginning. The application is worship. And not just, not just singing of songs. The application is that we would praise and honor and worship God with our entire lives. That we would stop worshiping the idols that captivate our attention and begin and continue worshiping the one true and holy God. This passage calls us to consider the blessings, the benefits of what we have been given in order that we will devote our lives to making much of the God who has done these things for rebels like us. And so if you're in Christ, God has given you an inheritance that you do not deserve and that you have not earned. He has lavished you with grace upon grace. And so let's consider several aspects of these blessings that we have been given from this passage. I want to draw your attention particularly to three aspects of this glorious inheritance we have been given in Christ. Now, my goal, obviously, is not to exhaust every detail of this passage tonight. That would be a foolish and impossible aim. My goal is just to reach into the display case and hold up a few of these artifacts in hopes that you, that you might be captivated for a lifetime, even for an eternity, of admiring what you have been given in Christ. Three aspects that I want you to see about this passage. Number one, notice the source of every spiritual blessing. So the first thing I want you to see is the source of every spiritual blessing we've been given. So in just a moment, we're going to take about half of this sermon with particular blessings that God has given us. So we're going to get to the particulars. But before we get to the particulars, I just want you to see a few things about these blessings. And the first thing I want you to see is the source of every spiritual blessing. So God is obviously the source of all of these blessings that we have. Every spiritual blessing is given to us by the one true and eternal God. Paul is praising God because God is the source of these riches that we have been given. And notice that Paul is being intentionally Trinitarian in his praise to God here. In verse 3 alone, Paul praises the Father who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. He mentions that the blessings are located in Christ. And he specifically mentions that they are spiritual blessings, which means they come to us by means of the Spirit of God. And so our salvation and the blessings that we have been given are initiated by the Father. They're located in the Son. 
And they're given to us through the work of the Spirit. And so verse 3 is kind of like a topic sentence for this entire paragraph, declaring the content of what is to come. Praise to the triune God for the blessings of salvation. So he gives this topic sentence, and then notice Paul focuses his praise on the particular persons of the Trinity throughout the rest of the passage. And so, for example, verses 4-6 through detail the Father's unique role in our salvation. The Father planned our salvation before the creation of the world. Verses 7-12 through detail the Son's unique role in our salvation. The Son, Jesus Christ, purchased our salvation with His own precious blood. Verses 13 and 14 detail the Spirit's unique role in our salvation. The Spirit preserves our salvation until we finally acquire possession of it. The Father planned our glorious inheritance. The Son purchased our glorious inheritance. And the Spirit preserves and secures our glorious inheritance. This is the source of every spiritual blessing we have. The powerful and harmonious work of the triune God. The Father selected us. The Son sacrificed Himself for us. And the Spirit seals us in order to guarantee these blessings for us. Salvation is administered by the Father, accomplished by the Son, and applied by the Spirit. As Philip Ryken says it in his commentary, our salvation jointly depends on the electing, predestining work of God the Father, the redeeming, atoning work of God the Son, and the sealing, guaranteeing work of God the Holy Spirit. The Father, the Son, and the Spirit are equal in every divine perfection. They are unified in every aspect of their mission and work, and yet they perform distinct and specific roles in regards to our salvation. The entire Godhead is actively engaged in the plan of our salvation. God is the source of every spiritual blessing we possess. None of the blessings that we enjoy as believers originated in us. We are not the author of our salvation. We are not the blessers in relation to salvation. Salvation is totally a work of God. And thus, like Paul, we should passionately bless and praise and worship the God who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Everything good and eternal we have comes from the good and eternal God of all creation. That's point number one. God is the source of every spiritual blessing we have. Secondly, I want you to notice the goal of every spiritual blessing. Notice the goal of all of these blessings. So, so blessing, the blessing of our salvation and all of these spiritual blessings we have, they come from God. Now, let's ask the question, what do they come to us for? Why do they exist? And so before we consider the particular blessings that Paul lays out here, I just want you to see the ultimate reason why we have been given anything by God. Why do these priceless treasures exist? We'll notice three times in this passage to conclude each of the three sections of this doxology 
Paul highlights the goal of God's work with a variation of the phrase, to the praise of His glory. So, for example, after describing the predestining work of the Father, in verse 6, Paul says, to the praise of His glorious grace. And so election is for the glory of God. And after describing the redeeming work of the Son, in verse 12, Paul says, to the praise of His glory. And so redemption and forgiveness is for the glory of God. And after describing the preserving work of the Spirit, in verse 14, Paul concludes with, to the praise of His glory. And so perseverance, security, are for the glory of God. Our salvation from beginning to end is all about the glory of God. God's past work of election, His present work of redemption, and His future work of preservation are all designed to bring praise and honor and glory to Him. This is why the Gospel exists. This is why the Gospel exists. This is why God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Christ in order to display His perfections in this universe in order to show that He is a holy God who does not take sin lightly, in order to show that He is a merciful God who pardons iniquity, in order to show that He is a generous God who does not withhold good from those who trust in Him. The character and the beauty of our triune God is clearly on display in the salvation of sinners like us. We have eternal blessings in order for God to make much of Himself for all eternity. Friends, this reality should eliminate all boasting from our hearts that is not a boasting in Him. God did not choose us for us, ultimately. Christ did not die as a substitute in our place for us, ultimately. The Spirit does not seal us for us, Ultimately, when God acts, He acts for the glory of His name. Yes, we get the benefits of His blessings, but He, the giver, gets the glory. And every aspect of our salvation is designed to show forth the glory of God. This is the goal. This is the aim. This is the purpose of every spiritual blessing that you and I possess. All these blessings are from God, and all of these blessings are for God. Now, let's get to the meat, and let's notice, third, the abundance of every spiritual blessing. So here's where I want to talk specifically about what these blessings are. And so notice again, what verse 3 says. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Christians have been blessed with every, mark that word, every spiritual blessing. All spiritual blessings have been given to all Christians. God does not just give some of His inheritance and withhold the rest. He doesn't just give some of His children His richest treasures and leave a little for the rest of us. The blessings of our salvation are like an unbreakable chain 
If you are in Christ, you have been given every spiritual blessing purchased by Christ. You lack nothing that Christ died to give you. Your inheritance is vast and it is secured in the heavenly places for you. We are abundantly rich in Christ. Abundantly rich. He has lavished His inheritance upon us for us to enjoy both now and for all eternity. Listen, Christians. God has not been stingy with us. He has not been stingy. He has been, he has been very generous with sinners like us. Christian, you may not have a lot of money in this world. You may not have a lot of friends. But you have Jesus And in Jesus, you have been blessed with every spiritual blessing. God has not begrudgingly accepted you against His better judgment. No, He has lavished riches upon you because of the work of Jesus. And so join me in praising God now for the abundance of riches that we have been given in Christ. This is a staggering, staggering list of blessings that God has given us. Before we jump into them, and I want to highlight five of them in particular, notice the repeated phrase, in Christ, or in Him, throughout this passage. At least 11 times, Paul locates these particular blessings in Christ. Just just walk through them. Verse 3, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing. Verse 4, even as He chose us in Him. Verse 5, He predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ. Verse 6 at the end, has blessed us in the beloved. Talking about Jesus. Verse 7, in Him we have redemption. Look down to verse 9, according to His purpose which He set forth in Christ. Verse 10, as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in Him. Verse 11, in Him we have obtained an inheritance. Verse 12 at the end, we were the first to hope in Christ. Verse 13, in Him you also when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. So this serves to highlight the fact that every good thing we experience in every aspect of our salvation is only found in and through and because of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the great reservoir of spiritual blessing. He is the fountain from which all of these blessings flow to us. It is only in union with Christ by faith in Him that we can be blessed by God on our own. We are offensive to God because of our sin. But in Christ, when we hide ourselves in Him, we have all these blessings through Him. So let's conclude by highlighting these particular blessings. Let me just pick a few of these priceless treasures up and hold them for you to admire and marvel at. And my hope is that you'll be so amazed by them that you'll spend the rest of your life praising and worshiping and honoring God. Notice five particular spiritual blessings that all Christians should enjoy and should praise God for tonight. Number one, in Christ, we are chosen by God. In Christ, we are chosen by God. So Paul begins this list of spiritual blessings with the blessing of election. Verse 4 says that the Father chose us in Christ 
before the foundation of the world. Verse 5 says that in love He predestined us for adoption to the praise of His glorious grace. And verse 11 says that we have been predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will. Now, the doctrine of predestination has long been a point of debate among Christians. Many people cannot imagine the thought of God determining who He would save. But notice that Paul does not bring up this doctrine in order to argue for it. Rather, he praises God for it and puts it first in a list of blessings from God. And so Christian, one of the tests of whether your understanding of the doctrine of predestination is correct is whether you love God more because of it. If the only thing you ever do with election is argue for or against it, you can be sure that you are out of step with the biblical understanding of it. Predestination is one of the sweetest of God's treasures for which He deserves the highest praise and adoration. Paul says in eternity past, before the foundation of the world, that God sovereignly marked out those that He would redeem. Notice, He did not choose us based on anything good or bad in us. This isn't talking about God looking into the future and seeing who would choose Him and then Him, in response to that, choosing them. No, no He noticed, before we did anything good or bad, before the foundation of the world, He chose us to make clear that it's nothing in us that deserves this blessing. He chose us by His own sovereign and free will. He decided to choose us before we were born to the praise of His glorious grace. And He chose us, notice, so that we would be holy and blameless before Him. He elected us so that we would stand before Him justified and counted righteous in Christ. He predestined us so that we would be like Christ to the praise of His glory. This is what the Father was doing before Genesis 1-1. He was setting His love on sinful creatures by His good pleasure. He was electing sinners to be in union with Christ so that for all eternity we would be trophies of His glorious grace. Friends, if you are a Christian, you were chosen by God. If you are trusting in Christ tonight, you are predestined by this great and loving God. Your salvation was not initiated by you. You didn't go pursuing God. God pursued you. And therefore, we owe all to Him and none to us. So praise God. Bless and worship God that He has chosen you. Second blessing. Notice in Christ, we are adopted by God. In Christ, we are adopted by God. So verse 5 says that God predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ. This is the relational aspect of our salvation. We were enemies of God, and yet now we have the blessing of being adopted into the family of God. Only sons get the inheritance. Only sons get the inheritance. Slaves have no right to the inheritance, only sons. And so notice verse 11 again. 
In Him we have obtained an inheritance. In Him we have obtained an inheritance. This is the glorious inheritance of our salvation that we have been given because of our union with Christ. That Christ, because He's the perfect Son, because He is the obedient Son, when we are in Him, when we are trusting in Him, we, we then become sons. We then become sons with all the rights and privileges of sons. This is why Jesus died. He died to remove the debt our sins deserve so that we can be sons. No one comes to the Father as His sons except through Jesus Christ. Jesus has secured our seat at the Father's table. Jesus has secured our fellowship with the Father. Jesus has written us into the Father's inheritance. My wife and I are in the process of adopting a son from Ethiopia. At some point in the future, God willing, we'll get to meet him and we'll stand before a judge in Ethiopia and we'll be granted official legal guardianship of him. And at that moment, he will be given all the rights and privileges of being our son. He may not have a bed of his own today. He may not have anyone to take care of him tonight. He may not have adequate food to eat today. But on that day, when we adopt him, he will have a warm bed to sleep in. He will have all the snacks he could imagine, and ice cream, and a brother and a sister who can't wait to play with him, and he will have access to everything else that is mine because he will be my son. You see, friends, outside of Christ, we are hopeless and helpless like orphans without a future, without an inheritance. But in Christ, we are loved and accepted and lavished with rich gifts of God's amazing grace. In Christ, we are adopted into the family of God and we are given every spiritual blessing imaginable. J.I. Packer in his excellent book called Knowing God calls adoption the highest privilege the Gospel offers, even higher than justification. He says, because adoption secures not just my legal standing with God, but also gives me a rich relationship with God. Adoption gives us God as our Father. We who are fatherless can have God as our Father in Christ. Number three, in Christ we are redeemed by God. In Christ we are redeemed by God. So notice verse seven again. In Him, we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace. So redemption is a rich biblical theme. To redeem something means to purchase it at a price. And if we are in Christ, we have been redeemed by the cost of the precious blood of Jesus. By nature and by choice, we are slaves to sin. 
We are born into the service of sin as our master. But God demonstrates His love for us in that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus poured out His blood so that we can know forgiveness of our many sins. As Jesus suffered and died on the cross, He did so to pay the ransom to redeem us from slavery to sin so that we can have this eternal relationship with God. He paid the price of our redemption in full. It is finished. It is done. Paid in full. Debt canceled. So Christian, marvel. Marvel tonight that you have been redeemed in Christ. Consider tonight the vast difference between what you deserve and what you have received. And if you're not trusting in Christ this evening, I urge you to consider the seriousness of your sin before God right now. Consider how offensive your rebellion is to Him. And consider tonight that He offers you the full and free forgiveness of your sins through Jesus. If you would confess your sins to God tonight, if you would turn away from them, and if you would embrace Jesus as your only Savior and Lord, He will cleanse you from all of your sin. If you trust in Jesus, you will have redemption and forgiveness and all of these blessings will be yours tonight by God's glorious grace. You came in here spiritually bankrupt with nothing in your account and you can leave here tonight in Christ as rich as any Christian who has ever lived because of Jesus. Number four, in Christ, we are enlightened by God. In Christ, we are enlightened by God. And so notice the blessing in verses 9 and 10. This is intriguing to me. Notice what Paul says, making known to us the mystery of His will according to His purpose, which He set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in Him, things in heaven, and things on earth. And so when God saves us, He gives us knowledge of Him and His will. Before we were redeemed, we we knew nothing of God and His ways. But in Christ, we are enlightened to His will. Our eyes are open so that we can see the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And notice the particular knowledge that we have. Of course, we don't have knowledge of all of God's ways. Of course, we, don't, we can't trace His hand in every single way. But in this way, we can. We are given the knowledge of God's eternal plan to culminate, to unite everything in Christ. God's plan, His ultimate plan, is to bring everything to center on Jesus. Philippians 2 says it this way, Therefore God has highly exalted Him and bestowed on Him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee would bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is the plan of God to center everything in the universe on Jesus. This is where history is moving. And in Christ, we are blessed with this knowledge. And so praise God that we're no longer ignorant of God and His ways. In Christ, we are enlightened to the plan and purpose of God. Well, finally, number five, notice in Christ, we are sealed by God. In Christ, we are sealed by God. 
And so verses 13 and 14 are precious beyond measure. Notice them again. In Him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of His glory. And so Paul praises God for the blessing of being sealed by the Holy Spirit. Now, a seal could serve several different functions. A seal is sometimes used to authenticate something as, as true, as real. Or a seal could mark ownership of something, kind of like branding cattle or, or writing your name in the inside of a book. You're saying, this is mine, I own it. But also, a seal was used to make something secure. A seal was used to, to seal something up so that it would be safe and secure. And I think that's particularly what Paul has in mind here because in verse 14, he, he calls the Holy Spirit the guarantee of our inheritance. Other translations say the Holy Spirit is the down payment of our inheritance. And so we have been sealed by God in order to guarantee that the fullness of our salvation will one day be totally ours. We know that this inheritance is real. We know that it's true because we've been given the down payment. The down payment proves that the fullness is coming. God has marked us as His own by giving us the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. And so Christian, this is how secure your salvation is. Your salvation is as secure as God is faithful. God will not go back on His promises. His glory is at stake in the fulfillment of His promises. And so if He gave the down payment, He will be good for the full inheritance. Christian, what problems or concerns await you tomorrow? What anxieties or fears threaten to keep you up tonight? Whatever they are, I urge you to consider how abundantly blessed you are by God. Consider the glorious inheritance that is both yours right now and that awaits, awaits you in glory in His presence. It's, it's just, I think this is one of the, the means of enduring the troubles and sufferings of this life. Fix your eyes on things above. Fix your eyes on what you've been given in Christ. Cultivate the discipline of praising God for the real and true and great blessings of your salvation. You remember that old song? Count your blessings. Name them one by one. Count your blessings. See what God has done. We need to do that. We need to count our blessings. We need to consider what we have been given because Paul says that what we've been given in Christ, what we've been blessed with, leads us to the praise and worship and honor of our great God. Beloved, we no longer have to base our identity on the color of our skin or on the school we graduated from or on the job title by our name or on the amount of friends we have on Facebook. We have a glorious identity in Christ. We are abundantly rich in Him. We were chosen before the foundation of the world. We have been adopted as His sons. We have been redeemed through His blood. We've been enlightened to His will. We have, we have the guarantee of all these things in the presence and power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. This is our identity, Christian. This is who we are. 
We are blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. The triune God has orchestrated all things for the counsel of His will and He has devoted Himself to getting glory for Himself through saving us. We are going to either base our identity on the things of this physical life or we are going to base our identity on who we are in Christ. Friends, if you base your identity on the stuff of this life, you'll ask it to be your Savior and it will fail you a hundred times out of a hundred. Friends, let's go. Let's go now to the place where all of these blessings are found and located. Let's go to Christ and let's drink deeply Let's drink deeply from the riches of His grace because He is a great and awesome and all-sufficient Savior and He invites us to marvel and wonder and worship and be amazed that He has given you so much. In just a minute, we're going to sing All I Have is Christ. And When we say all I have is Christ, we're saying that's enough for us. We're not saying all I have is Christ and I wish I had more. We're saying the only thing I have to commend me to God is Christ. The only location of spiritual blessing is Christ, not anything in me. We're saying because I have Christ, I have everything I need. We're saying all I have is Christ and He is more than enough for me. Let's pray. Father, all I have is Christ. Jesus is my life. He is more than sufficient for my every need. And the blessings that You have bestowed upon us are rich and abundant and they are breathtaking to behold. Oh God, You have done done amazing things in Christ for us sinners. And we thank You for each of these spiritual blessings and all the countless others that we haven't even mentioned tonight. And we pray that You would help us to worship You. We pray that You would help us to live lives of worship. I pray tonight that the specific effect of these blessings would be that our idols would seem much less attractive and that our Savior would seem, would be to us more glorious than ever. Captivate our affection now, O God. Rivet our attention on Jesus. All I have is Christ. And I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.